Welcome to our show, ladies and gentlemen. Like the big boy said, it is the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. And I'm Steve Warren. That there is the coach, Greg Kennedy. And today we're talking about free agency. The Sens were fairly active, I'd say, all in all, with their own people and bringing in a new goaltender that they hope maybe for the first time in three years. Three attempts at bringing in a veteran goalie. The first two failed, maybe three or third times the charm. So we'll get into that, some sends in new places, and uh, the Alex DeBrinkett story, which uh, may never go away. It just goes on and on and on. All today on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. Greg, how are things today? Things are good, Steve. We, we imposed the uh, the ownership uh, bidding war moratorium discussion, discussion moratorium, and then we lifted it. Is it is it time to put a moratorium on the DeBrinkett talk until something happens? I'm, I'm growing concerned. Well, it's getting there. We won't do it today, but it's coming soon, I'm sure. And it's interesting. I think this sort of, when I think about Alex DeBrinkett's situation, it's got some parallels to ownership. You think about back in 03, the Senators had one bidder and the price was right. It was like, what was it, $130 million that Eugene Melnick paid for this franchise? And even factoring in inflation, fast forward 20 years, to a different circumstance when the Sens are up for sale with multiple bidders and the Sens having an opportunity to play them off of each other. Different circumstances, and like I say, even with inflation, something around $950 million. It's a big difference when you've got more than one person to negotiate with, and that's sort of where Alex DeBrinkett is right now in the summer of 2023. Either it's with the Ottawa Senators trying to get him signed long-term or a team they'd like to trade him to, Signing him long term when he knows, well, you're asking me to you know, bargain with one person versus the riches that might happen in open auction of, of free agency next summer with multiple bidders. So this, you bring up ownership. I thought it's kind of a kind of a parallel between ownership and and the situation to break it finds himself in. Yeah, and it's interesting that the ownership of the other teams so far. Uh, haven't liked to bring its asking price any more than than anyone else has any more than Pierre probably has. Uh, I keep yeah. hearing that he gave a list of five teams. I read where at least two of them were like we're not even remotely interested, and then I hear from Pierre that uh, that did when it got to a certain stage where it looked like a deal could happen, they gave permission for Jeff Jackson and his people uh, to bring its agency to to talk to the team, and then boom, it all fell apart. So I, I, I can, I'm left to assume that uh, DeBrinkett's asking for a little too much that teams are willing to pay. And that, of course, affects the Senators because what the Senators ask for the original trade is totally based on whether or not he's going to resign. If he's going to resign with that team for eight years, then you can ask for a lot more. If he's not willing to resign, then you can't ask for very much. Yeah. And it's understandable that another team would have a hard time getting this guy to a long-term contract because of the UFA factor. But also on top of that, unlike the senators who would just need to, you know, come up with a big term, big uh, money, and uh, maybe then he'd forego the UFA next summer. But any other team, well, they're not as good a position as the Sens are because not only are they being asked to pay 2024 UFA prices and term, They've also got to give Ottawa a bunch of assets to secure his rights. So I don't I don't see this deal going down. I don't know where you're at on it, but 
this is going to be really an extremely difficult trade to make if it's ever made at all. Because right now, nobody's given the Sens very much right now for what will be a one-year rental. That probably would be better served come the trade deadline when people are all excited about how good they are and they want to take their shot. And then maybe they give the Sens something for them then. Where are you at? Yeah, it's the same. I, I asked this question before. Is it is it better to keep him as a self-rental? He's our own rental. Yeah. We're going to keep him for one more year, and and then he's going to walk. Uh, either we're going to try to trade him at some point, uh, which can't come until after January 1st. Once he signs, once you have that that agreement in place from the ARB hearing, and he signs, you can't trade him till sorry, no one can negotiate with him till after January 1st. You could certainly trade him before then. Uh, but between January 1st and the trade deadline, what kind of things happen then? Is is that the time to trade them or do you just, it's going to depend on what kind of position they're in come the trade deadline. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? Do they keep them and hope that he'll resign? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's so far in the future. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then and what kind of shape the team's going to be in and how happy or unhappy to bring it's going to be, what kind of season he's having. All those things are going to factor into that next year when it comes time to sign him then if he's still around let's get to a miniature version of dissecting dorian he was asked by the media on the weekend if there's anything new on debrinket no nothing new on alice debrinket same as i talked about at the draft um obviously we have to look at alternative solutions uh he has indicated to us that he will not sign here long term Uh, that doesn't mean he won't sign uh short term uh, we like the player. If the player comes back for a year, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that if he comes back oh. for a year. And I think he's at a stage now where he's starting to get fans ready for that idea. Because, um, uh, I, I mean, I, I look at that situation and, and he does talk now about, okay, we uh, we did, in fact, make an offer to this guy and uh, that uh, maybe our term is even better than the term being offered by some of these other teams, but it's like, like I said, like I said a moment ago, it sure is looking like Pierre Dorian is starting to resign himself to the fact that that is a very strong possibility that Alex Dabrinkit will skate for the Sens next year. Yeah, I agree. Like this is the situation as we've gone through it. I, I don't know that there's a market there. For, oh, sorry, there's a market for what he brings. I don't know that there's a team out there that has the assets that the Sens require. And at the same time, can satisfy Debrinket's desires, or are willing to wait, are willing to to take the trade, and then hope for the best come come July first next year. It's there, there's a lot of uh, differing factors that play into making that deal. If I'm a GM of another team in this league, and so far it looks like, with the limited list of uh, teams and suitors that they've been talking to, uh, if, if uh, we know they've gone beyond the original list of five that Debrinket offered. But uh, so far, they're having a tough time finding a dance partner. Yeah. And I think a fair way to put it, you know, he's not interested in signing a long-term deal with the Ottawa Senators. I keep hearing that again and again. The fact is he's not interested in signing a long-term deal with anybody in the NHL unless you really knock his agent's socks off. This is what Dorian had to say about the interest level around the league. There's uh, varying degrees of interest. If probably teams call, we get close to a deal, I give them permission. Sometimes they're not ready to pay maybe the term that we're ready to pay. 
Uh, I think he's 25 years old, so I think he's looking for something in particular. And I can talk about it because we own his rights. Um, so I think the the degrees vary. I think a lot of teams are in on other players, and maybe if they don't get him, they would be interested in, in him you know, later on today or tomorrow or the day after. We know that most likely when the arbitration period comes, we're going to have to make a decision, and we'll be ready. We'll be ready. <laughs> I think it's heading for arbitration. I mean, they, these cases rarely do. I saw Ian Mendez in the Athletic, and it was something like I don't know, just general arbitration cases is something like ninety five, ninety seven percent never get to the hearing, and uh, I think it's just as rare for any of them that are uh, team elected arbitrations. But you know, if you're going to bring back to Brinkett next season, and I think we can agree that's a strong possibility. You know, why wouldn't you go to arbitration at this point when um, you might get a fifteen percent discount? Uh, all the more reason why I believe it's going to get done before then. One way or another, something will happen before that ARB hearing. Uh, it, it, it's a similar situation to Matt Kachuk uh, last summer. Calgary did the exact same thing. They went with team-elected arbitration. They went through the first uh, the first week or so of free agency and nothing happened. It was later in the month of July uh, before the ARB hearing happened that they ended up making the deal with Florida. But the difference there was Matthew Kachuk was willing to sign. Matthew Kachuk signed with exactly. Florida. Actually, it was a sign and trade. He signed with Calgary, and then Calgary traded him. The, the difference being you get a year, right? If you sign with your existing club, you can get up to eight years. If you sign with a with a new club as a free agent, you only get seven years. So there's, there's a difference there. But otherwise, it's very, very similar to Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I just think it's it's such a – I'm trying to empathize with uh, either the Debrinket camp who's made it clear they want to go to UFA. And it'd be interesting to know when that determination was made. Did, like, did, did Chicago know? Like, I don't know how the rules go there, but did they know this time last summer? And maybe that's part of the reason why he changed teams. I'm not sure. But it, it just becomes, from the Debrinket camp, it's difficult because you want to go to UFA from another team's perspective. We've outlined all the reasons why that's difficult, unlike the Kachuk thing, which was, yeah, he wanted it at Calgary. Well, this just in, Debrinka doesn't want out of Ottawa. He just wants to go to UFA. It's nothing against Ottawa. It could be any team. And so there's your leverage. You would have had leverage if all the stories were true about, you know, Debrinka being unhappy here. Debrinka wants to play for an American team. Uh, He just doesn't like it. He wants out. Well, if that were really true, he would make sure that maybe it's not a long-term deal. Maybe he'd go you know, a three-year deal or something with one of these other organizations just to get the hell out of Ottawa if he hates it so much. Well, the fact is he doesn't, and that also makes it hard to trade the guy. So like I say, I think that this thing probably, in my opinion, I think it will go to arbitration and he will stay here this year, and then we'll see what happens at the trade deadline if uh, somebody does want a playoff rental. And you know what? If the Sens are in a position where maybe they can go deep this season, you never know. It's, it's sports after all. We've seen crazier things happen then maybe they can make a decision to, uh, like you talked about, what was your expression, your own playoff rental? Yeah, he's 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 a self-rental. He's a he's her own rental. Self-rental. But, right. but you, you bring up a good point there with, uh, with Chicago. Um, did they know? <laughs> like, you have to wonder, because why would you trade a 40-goal a scorer who's 24 years old? I get it, you're rebuilding, but he was already under contract. You had two years left on that contract. 
and he's only 24 at the time. Well, why did you trade mm-hmm. him in a rebuild? It yes. made no sense. We Everybody said that. Everybody thought, why are you doing this in a rebuild? It doesn't make sense. So maybe Chicago did know something. Yeah, it's the Windy City. Maybe they caught wind of something. Uh, right? well, Certainly, it wouldn't have come to them and said, this is my plan. That would not behoove him to uh, give any leverage out like that because he, he really, you know, you give that information to Chicago, you're probably expecting a deal. And I don't know if I've ever seen anybody who was expecting a deal less to Ottawa than Debrinket was. He really did seem surprised by it. So, But as we know, players talk. Players talk to managers. And it may have come around to Kyle Davidson in Chicago. He gets wind of that and does not want to be in the position right now that Pierre Dorian finds himself in. Uh, this is uh, oh, sorry. There was something else interesting in there with, that Pierre said. He mentioned other teams as they're searching through free agency. Maybe their priorities change if they don't get their guy. You know, they might come back around again and look at to bring it. Mm-hmm. But that's the exact same situation that's happening to Ottawa. Their hands are now tied. Like we've read that they're interested and they're in, they're in and talking to Vladimir Tarasenko. Well, who was probably going to cost you five to six million, which is a better deal or dollar wise than what you're, what you're probably going to have to pay to bring it. But you can't go out and sign Vladi Tarasenko until you know what's going on with to bring it. It's it, their hands are tied. You know, it's similar to what we were saying all along with the whole ownership thing. The ownership change kind of tied their hands. Now, now the Debrinket situation is tied in their hands. It must be very frustrating for Pierre Dorian to go to work every day. Yeah. And I'm not in a mode of, you know, pointing fingers at anybody. This has just ended up being a difficult circumstance. And uh, Dorian made this deal. Everybody in the city was excited about it last summer. And I'm not in a mode of like, okay, you know, you, you screwed up or to bring it, you selfish bastard or anything like that. It's just a case of one of these things that just came together and, uh, and, and, and isn't panning out quite the way people had thought. I think last year, Dorian and the city, they make this deal and everybody's excited about it. And there's nothing you can do at that stage. You can only re-sign a guy one year out, not two years out. And so, you know, we get excited Big season ahead, hoping to make the playoffs. We'll worry about that next summer. We'll worry about that later. And now later is here. And I feel like everybody tried to put their best foot forward. Um, and, I, and I don't really you know, have anything angry to say about anything. But it's pretty clear right now that Dorian is starting to get fans ready for the possibility that uh, Alex Debrinkit may be an Ottawa senator for the coming season. Uh, just listen to what he has to say here. He's almost in a mode of... And again, this was just a couple of days ago. He was almost in the mode of bragging about the player. Scored 27. Two goals were called back. I think it was 15 or 16 crossbar posts. Uh, you put him in a position where maybe he gets to play with Timmy or Josh. I think it's a different story and probably help us be a better team. There you go. So there's uh, the latest on Alex to bring it. And, uh, well, I think we've gotten all the meat off that particular bone for uh, maybe an episode or two. I think this is now going to go into corner. My opinion, I think it's going to go into a quiet phase now. People are still going to talk about it in the coming days. It's uh, I was on Islander, I was on an Islander podcast, and they were talking about JG Pajo maybe being a package deal. And uh, I, I just, I mean, I'm, I don't even think you need to even get into the discussion about certain players until you can figure out if to bring it. Um, is is signable uh, to a long-term arrangement. So it's a tough situation for for all, and I think the guy's headed for UFA and probably going to play for the Sens this year. 
Now, sure. moving yeah. on. Go. Yeah, you want to move on. I can tell. You know <laughs> okay. what? Let's uh, well, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, free agency. The Senators. Okay. The third veteran goalie in three seasons. They brought in a veteran goalie, hoping that this is the time. This is the guy that's going to be able to take the reins. And it's a guy that uh, you've been really pushing for in recent podcast episodes. And we'll talk about it coming up after these words. Looking for a vehicle that's environmentally friendly and fun? Look no further than the Ford Mustang Mach-E available now at Jim K. Ford. This electric car will have you laughing all the way to the bank with savings on gas and maintenance costs without giving up excitement and performance. And with zero emissions, you can finally breathe easy, literally. So if you want a car that's as exhilarating as it is eco-friendly, come down to Jim K. Ford today and take a spin in one of our Mach-E's today. Visit us online at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! ADSS Global is your trusted partner for all your accounting and financial management needs. Our team of certified Sage 300 experts will help you streamline your financial operations, optimize your cash flow, and improve your bottom line. We have the solutions. Hear what one of our satisfied customers has to say. The Algonquin Students Association has been with ADSS for over 10 years. Mark and his ADSS team are reliable and respond quickly to our requests and needs. Call ADSS Global today at 613-221-5950 or email mcashman at adssglobal.net. All right, welcome back to our program. It is the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. And uh, and by the way, new website as well for ADSS, adssottawa.com. Cam Talbot is now an L.A. King. Sens decided not to re-sign him in unrestricted free agency, so he signs a one-year contract with a base salary of $1 million with L.A. And uh, the reason L.A. needs a goalie is because Eunice Corposalo, who finished out the year last year with the Kings with a very, very good statistical record after coming over at the deadline, though he wasn't that great in the playoffs, uh, he is signed with the Ottawa Senators. So Pierre Dorian said, we offered Cam Talbot a one-year deal. He wanted a two-year. So Talbot went out and signed a one-year deal minutes into free agency <laughs> with the LA Kings. Go figure. Then Corpusalo comes to Ottawa, and he gets a four-year contract. and uh, No, five-year contract, and it's worth $4 million per season. And the Sens, if you like trivia, now have the rights to the goaltender who has the most saves in any modern NHL game. In history, 85 saves in the five overtime loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the postseason a couple of years ago. So what say you about Jonas Corposalo? That's a guy you've liked since we started talking about the 2023 free agency season. I'm very happy with this. Uh, Well, other than the fifth year, (laughs) maybe even the fourth year. I don't know. It probably took one extra year to get him to come to Ottawa. That's sort of the, the Ottawa tax, I guess you could call it. But uh, I'm I'm happy with the uh, with the acquisition. Um, I think unlike the other two attempts, uh, be they uh, Cam Talbot and uh, and Matt Murray before, Corpusalo is younger. I think he's ready to ascend to another level. I, I know he's never really been a number one. He's never. You know, I think the maximum number of games he's played in a year so far is somewhere in the forties. But I think that uh, he can step in here and he can he can either be the number one or it could be a nice tandem situation with uh, with Forsberg that looks good. I just I'm very happy with this one and it didn't cost them five or six million a year. It's only four million. It allows them to play uh, 
Sogard in Belleville, where he probably belongs for at least another year. And then by then, you know, the Forsberg contract is up and you've got other options to do, to choose then. If Corpusalo hangs on to the number one job, you keep him and eventually Soberg, uh, sorry. <laughs> Sogard Sogard, uh, sits there as as a backup for a while before he takes over. By the end of this, I I don't know that Corposalo is here for all five years. He's definitely not the number one guy for all five years, but it's a a good pickup, and I'm I'm quite happy about it. Yeah, when you talk about number ones, it's hard to really sort of visualize either Forsberg or Corposalo becoming number ones because you've never seen either of them do it before. You know, not for a, a lengthy period of time. I think that somewhere, both guys, I think, have capped out, if not at 40 games, close to 40 games in both cases. Neither of them have been a number one. So basically what you have here, at least historically, is two guys, 29 and 30, who've never been number one. So you're asking one of them to do something they've never done before. So that could potentially be a challenge. But if you're looking at a platoon situation like you just mentioned, there is history of that working very well. Indeed, thank you very much. These two same goalies were the platoon goaltenders with the 2016 uh, Calder Cup champions with the Lake Erie Monsters. So they have a history together. They like each other. They're excited to work together. So that's a good thing. Whether one of them emerges as a number one uh, remains to be seen. Though I'd have to think, this is based on the length of the contract and the money involved. Both are more than Forsberg's deal. I got to think that Corpusalo, unless something crazy happens where he can't stop a beach ball in the training camp, I think he's going to start out as your number one guy. Is he not? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. You, you, it, it, I, I think that it's a perfect platoon situation, and that may be the way that the Senators choose to start the year that they're each going to play kind of half and half until you get to a certain point in the year where either one uh, shows himself to be better and you can't take him out or a decision is made internally that says, okay, this is our guy. We're going to run with him now. I, I can yeah. see either one, either, either one happening. It's going to depend on what kind of results you get out of them. But I think they start the year in a platoon situation. We shall see. And certainly, the again, they're, they're set up for that with their history. Now, what's, moving on to a couple of... Sorry. Go ahead. Gen- generally speaking, when you sign a free agent who is younger, <clears throat> a lot of mistakes are made. People look at free agents down the road and say, oh my God, what a terrible mistake that was. And it's usually, uh, well, it's one of two scenarios. Either you pay somebody too much money who's too old and he's finished, or you pay somebody too much money and you bring him in and you put him into a role that he can't handle. I, I think of third line guys that get big money to go somewhere and, and they, they put them in the second line or the first line and they never work out. It just doesn't happen. Um, in, in this case, that, that's the sort of scenario that the senators are looking at. They're looking at signing somebody that they see a great deal of potential in that, Hey, if it works out the way they think it's going to work out, that this guy is a number one and can be a stud down the road, then that contract's going to be a joke. Like it's cheap. It's a bargain. And that's that's the kind Agreed. of player that that they've never really, in all their free agent signings, they've never really found a guy like that, like a, like a gem, like somebody who who they bring in and project to be a better player than he is already on some other team, and it doesn't work out. Like I look at yep. Carson Soucy, I really wanted the Senators to sign Soucy as a lefty. There's a guy who played in Minnesota for years. He was behind uh, Suter and Brodeen, so he was kind of stuck as in the five six pair on the left side. Then he goes to Seattle in the expansion draft, and he ends up behind Vince Dunn 
and uh, Jamie Alexiak, and he ends up again as a 5-6, the left D in the third pair. But now he signs, <clears throat> excuse me, in Vancouver, and he's going to climb. He's going to play in their second pair because I think he can. That's the kind of guy that you're looking for, somebody who can play higher up, who can play more minutes, who can do more for your team, an underappreciated, undervalued sort of player out there that you can pluck out of somebody in free agency. And and I'm hoping and I'm thinking that that's what the Senators have done here with Jonas Corbisello. And you can't forget Forsberg in that uh, when he signed his contract, I was talking in these terms as well. You just don't know. Maybe the guy is ready to pop as a star in the league. He just hasn't been given the opportunity bouncing around the league. You got to say one thing, though. They both have that great goalie frame. They're both really tall guys. They've had some terrific games in the NHL. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if the Sens have solved things. And the way I measure any trade or acquisition, are the, are the Sens better than, you know, they were yesterday? And I think the answer is a resounding yes for the reasons you talked about. I mean, Mad Sogard isn't quite there yet. He's just not ready for prime time. He needs more time. He needs to go to the American Hockey League and prove he can dominate that league before he can hope that he'll come up and do that in the NHL. You don't want to rush him. So uh, I think the the concern remains for me, though, that these guys have, you know, they've been good NHL backups but uh, somebody's going to have to emerge out of this thing, and maybe it's a two-headed monster. Don't know. Don't care. But re- right now, they're better than they were with Sogard. But are they better than the 16 playoff teams from last year? That's uh, that's still a question mark, but uh, they are definitely better than they were this time on uh, last week. So moving on, uh, some signings. Eric Brandstrom is back. He is back for a one-year contract at $2 million. That's a big bump. That's a guy I think uh, capped out at I think eight or nine hundred thousand dollars last year. That was his best salary so far as an NHL player. But it's another one-year deal, so kind of a show-me deal. But what do you think about Brandstrom at two mil and how he fits in? Yeah, I would have liked it more at uh, one or one and a half. And I, but then again, I would have thought they would have had to go to two or three years. So to get him at one year at two mil, okay, yep, you're exactly right. It's a show-me thing. It's okay. You got better last year. Can you get better again? And if he doesn't, it's not all that expensive. Yeah, and I think um, I agree with what the Sens did. Sure, it'd be good to get him at one or one and a half, but he had that big confidence boost in the second half of last season. I think mentally to get a big over, a, you know, double salary from last year, I think that's a good thing for the confidence. You, you know, you, you want to keep fostering the confidence because you may not have seen his ceiling yet. And it uh, doesn't cost you a ton, $2 million by NHL standards, not that much. And you're going to probably have to rely on him just based on the fact that there's been injury problems. We know that Shabbat, Chikrin, Zub, they had injury problems last year. You might need him to move up in the lineup. So if he's got confidence going in that second half, you don't want to quell that in any way by saying, we're not giving you $1 more than you had last year. Maybe a, <laughs> and it's a small <laughs> token raise. And it's a little bit of the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. They, right. I'm sure they went to him and wanted him for one and a half or maybe even as low as one. Maybe they even started at three mil over two years. But Branstrom sitting there thinking, well, you know, I got a little bit of time to think about this. Uh, no, I don't think that's going to work for me. So rather than have nothing or rather than have to scour the free agent market looking for a bottom pair defenseman and getting him for cheap, they went, they went this way. I, I, I'm okay with it. Again, the devil you know versus the devil you don't know probably works out for them. 
Is that your 5-6 now with Brandstrom and Jacob Bernard Docker signed a two-year contract worth $800,000? I think, although I saw no reference to it, but I'm pretty sure it's a one-way deal uh, for both years at around $800,000. And uh, he's no longer waiver exempt, so that's off the table as well. Do you think that's your new 5-6? Or is this a case of, here's your contract, kid. Get in there and prove yourself, and we'll see how it goes. Well, I think it's like a five, six, seven, and the seventh is either Tyler Clevin or it's Travis Hamannick, depending on what goes down with his signing. Like I, I've said all along that you're five, six every night. Depends on who you're playing against. Depends on how well guys are playing and what kind of lineup you want to have out there. So you, you need to have that seventh guy. So now it's just a matter of who is that seventh guy. Is it Clevin or is it Hamannick? It remains to be seen now. Hamannick spoke so glowingly of the team, loving it, loving the city, great fit for his family, and nothing will take the bloom off of the rose for a player about a certain market faster than a, as as Darren Drager put it, a low-dollar, low-term offer from the Senators. Suddenly you start, so no signing yet uh, from either the Sens or anybody else. And the same is true of Ford Austin Watson as we sort of move through the lineup here. He, uh, he wants some term, hasn't gotten it anywhere else yet. And uh, I don't know, to me, it feels like the Sens have probably turned the page on both Hamannick and Watson. Do you think there's a chance either are back? I think there's a chance that both of them, there's a chance for both of them to be back. I don't know that it's going to be two of them, but there's I could see one of them coming back. I, I could see Hamannick coming around and saying, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Because uh, so far, he hasn't been able to find what he's looking for. And the market right now, <laughs> there's all kinds of deals out there that have been one year at 850 or one year at nine or maybe a million. There's not a lot of teams out there that have been handing out contracts to a defenseman of his age with his recent statistical decline that the, either of them, sorry, Hamannick or Watson, they're sort of both in the same boat here. They're, they're, they're getting older. They're getting slower. Their stats are down. Those types of players aren't getting two-year deals at at more than a million right now. We would be remiss if we didn't take a moment to talk about the evil empire, which doesn't seem to have a salary cap. I know you can go over the salary cap in the offseason by as much as 10%, 15%, something like that. 10%, I think it is. Um, Right now, I think they're $8 over the salary cap. So that's right at the at the mark that you can get to in the off season. So they're going to have to whittle things down, but they got busy. Dylan Gambrell is now a Toronto Maple Leaf. So that's huge. That's just, that's, that's <laughs> he leads with Gambrell. <laughs> exactly. Cause he's a former Senator and he deserves it. No, the big three. And uh, for years, Brian Burke tried to get truculence out of the Toronto Maple Leafs lineup. And that seems to be the Bradtree living's game plan as well. Although he called it some more snot for the lineup. <laughs> More snot for the roster. That's gross. Uh, uh, How about Reeves, Domi, Bertuzzi? How does that grab you uh, as far as free agent signings in Toronto, Greg? Well, everybody's out there saying that Ryan Reeves can't play. Uh, He's not going to help you uh, when you need him the most to be a tough guy. And like, let's face it, he's not even on the ice half the time. Let's look at it this way. Ryan Reeves is better than Wayne Simmons in your lineup right now. I believe that offensively speaking, I'm not talking about defense, offensively speaking, uh, Max Domi is better in your lineup than, uh, than uh, help me out. What's the guy's name? I wanted the sense to sign him. <laughs> I can't get uh, bunting. No, the other one. 
Oh, damn. The other one. I, oh, the other I one can't that think you of it. Alex Kerfoot. All right. Max right. Domi is better offensively than Alex Kerfoot. And you bring up bunting. That's the other comparable, right? Uh, you've improved on bunting as well by bringing in Bertuzzi. So the three guys that sort of kind of played a little bit have been replaced by three guys who who will play and, and be better and contribute more. So I hate to say it, Steve, but in that looking at it strictly in that sense, I think the Leafs got a little better with those deals. They also got helped by a lot of teams around the league taking away some of their garbage, which was nice. I think losing Shen doesn't hurt you. Um, losing some of the other pieces, they are haul on defense, like those things don't hurt at all. And that really, by by subtraction, they got better by losing some of that riffraff. Yes, there is definitely something to be said, particularly for the team that the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, were. I mean, I know that you know Bunting delivered a bit of that, but you've got a true heavyweight now. Like nobody yeah. wants to f with Ryan Reeves. He, he's one of those real nuclear deterrents, and he's. I mean, I, I keep seeing people talk about like he's John Scott bad as far as skating. I'm, I'm sorry, he's not that bad. <laughs> he, he he's gonna he's gonna run around. He's gonna crash and bang. He's a he's got he's a decent skater for a tough guy, and he'll win all his fights. Unlike the aforementioned Austin Watson, who I like a lot, I like his energy, a chip in the odd goal here and there, but he's just not that nuclear deterrent. He's he's okay, but Ryan Reeves is going to win ninety percent of his fights. Then you've got the rat factor in both Bertuzzi and Domi, who both have offensive upside. I think when you get to the greasy Stanley Cup playoffs, where they put the whistles away. Um, you'll like them in the regular season, I think, if you're a Leaf fan. But come the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think that is where you will see the worth of Domi and Bertuzzi. As for Reeves, I'm not sure he'll get in there or not, but um, Domi and Bertuzzi for sure will be uh, all the better. And and you know that Domi is going to be motivated because that was his dad's old stomping grounds. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I was a little disappointed that they didn't choose to buy out Matt Murray, but I get it. They're keeping him around as a means to negotiate with uh, Samsonov. Um, mm-hmm. they, they've got to make a decision there. Do we sign the guy? Don't we sign the guy? And they're trying to, I guess. But by keeping Murray as, a, as an insurance policy, it kind of hurts the sense. We, re- we really wanted the Leafs to buy out Matt Murray. They may still do it, which would help the Senators in the long run and in the short run, actually. So we'll keep our eye on that situation. A former senator named Matt was, in fact, bought out. Matt Duchesne bought out by the Nashville Predators. I was a little surprised by that. I, I knew his stock had fallen, but I didn't think it'd fallen to the stage where Barry Trotz, as the new general manager, would roll in there and just buy this guy out. Were you surprised by that? And by the way, he signed with the Dallas Stars shortly thereafter on free agency. I think when you look at the big picture of what Nashville has done by trading away uh, Johansson, by uh buying out Duchesne by bringing in Ryan O'Reilly by bringing in uh, they, who else did they bring in? Steve, help me out. They brought in enough players that I think that Luke Shen, right? Um, I think it's, they, they, he almost looks like Pierre Doriel. Let's find these older character guys. It seems to me that there's a culture problem there. There's a character problem there that he's identified and it shows in the types of players that he let go. And it shows even more in the types of players that he chose to sign, whether you think they can contribute or not, uh, doesn't seem to matter. I, I think there was a, there was a little culture change going on there in Nashville. 
some other former senators on the move. Connor Brown is in Edmonton now, and he's reunited with his old OHL teammate, some guy named McDav. Connor McDavid, yes, his old Erie Otters uh, teammate. Uh, those two dominated together in the Ontario Hockey League, and now they're back together. And I guess McDavid had a little say in that as well. Connor Brown apparently uh, saying that, um, yeah, McDavid was helping grease the skids to get him uh, reunited with uh, McDavid in Edmonton. And then you also had Joey Decord, who we were talking about in a recent episode. Maybe he could provide something in the way of an upgrade on uh, Mad Sogard here. He stays in Seattle, still under a million dollars. So he's obviously fallen in love with the city. He was a UFA, and uh, yeah, he took what he could get, and uh, was something like I don't know seven, eight hundred thousand dollars minimum wage stuff by NHL standards. But I want to close it out, flipping it back to the Leafs. Former Leaf uh, Mike Babcock is back in the league, and he's going to be coaching a team that is going to be getting better in a hurry. The Columbus Blue Jackets, um, and not necessarily better because Mike Babcock is the new head coach there. Uh, but uh, they, they've picked up some nice assets. And so Babcock had his big press conference, and everybody wanted to know, have you changed your stripes, Babs, after the whole Matt Marner affair and being fired by the Leafs for uh, at least mentally abusive behavior? And uh, I honestly thought that he gave a pretty damn good answer all in all. Um, and we'll talk about it coming up after these words. Looking for a vehicle that's environmentally friendly and fun? Look no further than the Ford Mustang Mach-E, available now at Jim K. Ford. This electric car will have you laughing all the way to the bank with savings on gas and maintenance costs without giving up excitement and performance. And with zero emissions, you can finally breathe easy, literally. So if you want a car that's as exhilarating as it is eco-friendly, come down to Jim K. Ford today and take a spin in one of our Mach-E's today. Visit us online at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! All right, so this is what new Columbus Blue Jackets head coach Mike Babcock says he has learned since his Toronto days. My daughter has this line she uses with me all the time. She says, Dad, it's not what you say, it's your tone. You know, I'm a straightforward guy, uh, honest, hardworking, enthusiastic, but the message sent and the message received often often isn't the same. So you're talking to a young man and you think he had a great meeting. And then you find out later as he talks to one of the assistant coaches, oh, Babs was all over me. See, I didn't think I was. The ability to communicate and send the right message that you want to send and do it in a way that's totally respectful to me is what the last three and a half years have been about. That's what the last three and a half years have been about for Mike Babcock. I thought that was well put. It sounded believable. But in cases like these, I'm sure you'll agree, Greg, that uh, actions always speak louder than words. Most definitely. But it was nice to hear him say it anyway. And let's face it, he didn't have to. He could have easily no. answered the question and just said, you know, I've, I've, I've had three years. I've done some introspection. I think I'm a better coach now, or I'm going to be better at this or that. But to, to give examples and to, to mention his daughter, and I can tell you, I've heard the same thing all my life. My, uh, my ex-wife used to always tell me it's, it's my tone. It's all about my tone. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. And, and she's right. I, I, I have a tone and a way of speaking that, that can be intimidating. And I'm sure Mike Babcock, my God, would have the exact same sort of effect, especially over the kinds of players, the people that he's talking to who are who are like dependent on him. So, yeah, if it comes out the wrong way or it's received the wrong way, uh, you're in trouble in a hurry. So I, I commend him for 
first of all, realizing that there were things he was doing wrong, and then apparently going out and working on those things and improving himself as a human being, as a person, and and hopefully as a coach too. Yep, I found it all very believable, and uh, I hope genuine. that he is true to. Yeah, believable and genuine, and I hope he's true to his word that he's changed his stripes because I do believe in second chances. You know, maybe not for serial killers. But if, if you've done something that you thought was the right thing and it came off as mentally abusive and, and, and just toxic coaching, I think that there should be an opportunity to have a second chance. And the guy's dealt with a lot of stigma in the last three and a half years. It's not like this guy's gotten off scot-free. Some people wanted him behind bars and stuff. But, you know, there's been stigma that goes with um, the storyline that was in Toronto with the continued abuse that he receives from guys like Mike Commodore. Uh, Johan Franzen's got some awful stories about Mike Babcock. He's done some some bad things as a coach, but I do believe in second chances, and uh, and I'm hopeful that he'll, for his sake, make the best of them and, and for the sake of the Columbus Blue Jackets. But with that, we'll take our leave. And uh, before we do, I should ask the question, do you think the Sens are done now? Is the summer begun? Is the summer of Pierre already over after the... Uh, the magical one we had last year? Well, despite the five or six guys that none of us had ever heard of, uh, with the exception of Rock Charche, they haven't really <laughs> brought in a lot of uh, a lot of players to help there on the uh, third and fourth line. So I'm 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 believing I, I believe there still is is more to come. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they can come up with to round out that middle six or the bottom six. Uh, and and seeing what they do, maybe maybe they do sign Vladimir Tarasenko and worry about to bring it later. Uh, I think there's there's still there's still more to come in the next week or so. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, just to the thought about uh, Rourke Charche, by the way, and uh, I'm just thinking what about Matthew Highmore. Matthew Highmore is another guy that they brought in, and that's a guy that's kind of interesting in that he was also like Thomas Shabbat and Matthew Joseph were both in St. John for four years together, and now that they're in the NHL together. Highmore was also a star on that team for four years, and now he's in the Sens organization. He played like, um, didn't play in the NHL this past year, but the previous two years he was in Vancouver uh, for like 60, 70 games total. So you never know. Um, obviously, Pierre Dorian puts a ton of stock in uh, in players that his guys are familiar with, whether it's the roster or DJ Smith. Um, but I do think that we may have seen yeah, it's hard to say, really. I think if something comes along, he'll do something. I think you want to – that middle six still needs a guy. Um, so, yes, I'll say the, the there's one more signing coming before Pierre Dorian hits the golf course for a few weeks this summer. <laughs> Let's right. get out of here. Yeah, good night. <laughs> good night now. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you being here as always. I want to remind you that the website that is devoted to this podcast is called SensNationHockey.com. Lots of articles there, lots of archived podcast episodes that you can check out. And additionally, I also invite you to check out the Hockey News Ottawa page. The Hockey News has expanded to have an individual site for all 32 NHL teams, and that includes your Ottawa Senators, and I'm the site editor and reporter on that, so check that out we're putting some video up now along with all the various articles that are there so uh, thn.com slash ottawa is the address there thank you very much for being with us here today ladies and gentlemen and have yourself a terrific few days and we'll talk to you next time thanks greg oh you're very welcome Stephen. have a good week 
Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.